Hope you're doing all right. How many of you got your afternoon nap? How many still wish you were getting your afternoon nap? It's okay. We can be honest. We're in church. It's okay. How many of you will be taking an evening nap very soon? <laughs> Just kidding. Not really. Okay. Well, it's good to see you tonight. Thank you for coming and being here. And uh, I tell you, I enjoyed our study this morning. And before we get into our, our passage tonight, um, I wanted to read a couple of cards that we got uh, from our missions conference we had last month. We had Sam and Beth Quinn. Uh, their missionaries going to the United Kingdom, mainly there in London. And then also the Furches family was with us on that Friday. Uh, here's just the cards I was going to read for you. It says, Dear, Dear Church, it says, What a joy it was to be with you for your missions conference. Thank you for all of your prayers and support, and support, especially during this transition, for us to go to the United Kingdom. Thank you for the lovely accommodations, the meals, and the very generous love offering. May the Lord richly bless you as you have blessed us. And that's the Quinns going to the United Kingdom. And then also from the Furches family, from Brian and Shannon, it says, words cannot begin to express our heartfelt gratitude for your love, support, and encouragement, and generosity. Your thoughtfulness has truly blessed our lives. Your tremendous heart will soon allow us and our family to go share the gospel with the people of Nicaragua. Thank you for the love offering, for allowing our family to share our heart and passion on that Friday night. Thank you for your blessing, and you are a blessing to our family. You have the greatest pastor in the world. No, I'm kidding. He didn't say that. So anyhow, I'm just kidding, but that was from them. But anyhow, I don't know why y'all laugh at that stuff. You don't laugh at the other stuff. I'm just kidding. Well, tonight, before we get started, we've been doing this each week. Give another chance. If any of the kids want a chance to say the books of the Bible, come on up here. If you want to come up, remember, if you can say the Old Testament books in order, we'll give you three bucks. If you can say the New Testament books, we'll give you three bucks. And if you've done both of those and you want to go for the whole enchilada, you want to do the whole Bible, you get five bucks for that. Does anybody, any of the kids want to come up? Any of the parents that really could use $3 in their life right now, then they want to come up. But anyhow, any of the kiddos want to come up and give it a shot tonight? Y'all been doing good. Going once. Would it make you feel any better if I said Brother Greg is the one giving you the money? Would that make you feel better if I'm, you know, Mr. Greg giving you the money? Why did every, every adult say, yep, I'm good. All right, now I'm good. All right. Okay, all right. Well, just wanted... To see, and um, if you will go ahead and take your Bibles, we'll go back to the book of Matthew uh, this evening, Matthew chapter number six, Matthew chapter and number six. Just want to remind you about a few things. I appreciate uh, uh, Brother Will doing the announcements, different things, is that coming up in a little less than two weeks is our Easter carnival, and uh, for Easter carnival, we are going to need some things to sign up for, different things we're going to have during that Easter carnival. We're going to have a time. Uh, instead of having a set time that we all eat together, we're going to do something a little different this year. We're going to set up kind of a registration table where people will come through, get a ticket, and when they get that ticket, any time between 11 and 2, they can go through, turn their ticket in, get the hot dog, chips, cookie, drink, and those things. So instead of having, you know, 5,000 people all in the same, um, you know, room at the same time, it'll give people the opportunity to go through all together. And uh, then at 1 o'clock, we're going to have the candy hunt, and that's when we're going to take an opportunity to share the gospel with people. And so I encourage you, if you would like to help out in lots of ways, uh, let us know, because we definitely would love for you to be involved in the many different ways. We, I'll tell you something we always use is candy, candy, and just a little bit more candy. And uh, I think we normally try to stay away from the chocolate just because it melts by the time they get to it. And nobody likes more than a parent seeing their child with a handful of chocolate starting to wipe it all over themselves. And that's when you get weeping, wailing, and gnashing of teeth. 
But uh, excited about that. And also invite people to come to our Easter service. Easter is a great time. And uh, I'd love for you to take the opportunity to invite someone to church and, and tell them this. Tell them, hey, you can sit with me. You know, the majority of people say they went to a church because of a personal invitation. And it really goes a long way. So I just want to encourage you in that. And the last thing I want to tell you, some of you may have seen on Facebook, I'd like to ask for you to pray for me. Uh, uh, Tuesday, uh, every, the second Tuesday of the month is when our pastor's fellowship is. We've hosted it here before. In fact, we did in January. But uh, we normally have two preachers, and I know that makes it long. Could you imagine me times two uh, on an evening service? And uh, some of y'all shaking your head. I, I mean, it's just, y'all got a good mood tonight. Uh, but uh, Brother Salden down in Northside uh, Baptist Church down in Dublin asked me about coming and preaching this time. And uh, as some of you that saw it on Facebook saw, know what I'm going to say. But uh, as you know my testimony, I got saved as a kid riding a bus uh, to church. And the other preacher is actually a longtime friend and mentor of his, uh, a man by the name of Dr. Milton Carr. Dr. Milton Carr was the second pastor ever at Franklin Road Baptist Church, and he was the one instrumental in starting the bus ministry. So in reality, to me, thinking about it, I'm going to get the opportunity to preach with the man that helped with as far as helping the tool and the idea for the whole part where I come to faith in Christ. I'm excited about that. Uh, I have actually never met Milton Carr, and he's never met me, and uh, he's probably the better for it. But anyway, we've never met each other. But Brother Salden said, I know your testimony. I know his testimony. I just think this would be a great time to be together. And so it's at 7 o'clock down there. If you'd like to go, I'd love for you to go. But if nothing else, if you pray for me, I'm really excited about that opportunity and doing it. It's neat how God does some different things there. But in Matthew chapter number 6, we're going to finish kind of what we were looking at this morning. And uh, we started looking in verse 19. We basically got through verse number 21. But I'd like to finish our thought looking at the idea of, of where it said, laying up treasures on earth or laying up treasures in heaven. And kind of the second part of this passage that we didn't get to see this morning. But it says in Matthew chapter 6, beginning in verse number 21. Just pick up verse 21 again. It says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness... How great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For he that will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Father, I pray you might just bless us as we study your word tonight. Lord, I want to thank you so much for the people that came back. Lord, I pray you might just bless them for their sacrifice, their faithfulness, Lord. Lord, I pray you might just allow your word to speak truth, to speak encouragement, to help them wherever they're at in life, Lord. Maybe something they're facing now, or Lord, something they might face later. And Lord, I just thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for the words of Christ. And Lord, as we study these words that he said, Lord, may they resonate in our heart. And Lord, may they just stick and not just be a seed that lands on the wayside that the devil comes and devours and takes it away, but it might take root. And Lord, we do pray for our missionaries tonight. Lord, I especially pray for Jacob and Shara. Lord, I pray you bless them, help them, Lord, especially as they're on deputation, the many thousands of miles they'll travel, and, and I think of Shara as, as far as her expecting, and Lord, there's a lot of things going on in their life. I pray you'd help them. Lord, thank you for all you do for us, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this morning we started looking at the whole idea of, talking about it says, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. And we looked at these first verses here, and we said in verse number 19, we see God's warning where God says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. Don't make your life 
about what you can get here on earth, the tangible things. Doesn't mean you're not allowed to have things. Doesn't mean you're not allowed to have possessions. Doesn't mean God's not going to bless you, as we said this morning. Never feel guilty when God blesses you. Never feel guilty when God blesses you. The guilt comes whenever we go outside of God's authority and outside of God's work and try to get as much as we can for ourselves. And we even said the idea of everything that's tangible, most of the things that we see here, it's going to corrupt. It says where moth nor rust doth corrupt is that the things that we have one day will no longer be. It even says where thieves break through and steal. And we looked at that idea, the warning of God. And then we went on to not just the warning of God, but the eternal investment. And that eternal investment where he says, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Why do you do that? Because it says nothing is going to touch it. There's not going to be anything on this earth that can corrupt that treasure that you are laying up in heaven. And I know as we looked at things and just trying to understand is that in Scripture, I truly believe that we need to get past this mentality of, well, if I just get to heaven, I'm fine. Well, I want to go to heaven, but I want to serve Christ because I'm going to heaven. And the idea that service on earth does equal future reward. You can see it in Colossians. It talks about it. There are future rewards. Uh, even as you study through Scripture, it talks about crowns that you lay at Jesus' feet, that we cast them at Jesus' feet. It talks about eternal e rewards in that way. It even talks about in the parables that way. But I also believe in Scripture it talks about uh, as far as, as an unbeliever that we can get close to the truth, kind of like the Pharisees were, that were close to the truth but didn't have a relationship with Christ. And I truly believe through Scripture, the places we looked at today, that's either a greater damnation, meaning that, the, that hell is worse for those people that knew the truth but turned from the truth, did not accept the truth. Remember in Scripture it says it will be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than it will be in the days of places like Jerusalem that had Christ, that had all these places that where Christ came and he ministered. And we looked at all these different things, and we looked at the idea about our heart being revealed. But tonight I want us to finish. I, did, I didn't want to leave these verses alone. Because these verses are not necessarily verses 22 and 23 that you really jump on. Normally you read verses uh, 19, 20, 21, I get 24. But 22 and 23 normally don't get much attention really given to them at all. And I want us to look at some things tonight as far as in this passage. And, and mainly just two points tonight. We're just going to take these two different uh, parts of Scripture. But I want us to see first here, I want us to see, it says in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also I want us to see the effect of our heart, the effect of our heart. And remember, as we said, the idea is this, whatever I treasure, whatever I highly value, whatever I put as precious in my life, my heart will follow after it. My heart will follow after it. And the idea of the effect of our heart, look in verse number 22 and 23, if you would. It says, the light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, the whole body shall be full of light. If thine eye be evil... The whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. And so when you read that portion of Scripture and you see that, sometimes it doesn't seem to make a lot of sense, does it? It doesn't really see what, what does that mean? And we're going to look at this and look at another passage in Ephesians 1 in just a moment. But the idea is this, is what, what does God want me to do in my life? How does God want me to live my life? Does he want me to live with the mentality of accumulating things on this earth? Or does he want me to live in such a way, as it says back in Matthew chapter 5, that ye are the light of the world, and that we are to let the light of Christ shine out of us? And if you look at verse number 22, he says some interesting things. He says, the light of the body is the eye. He says, if therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. Now you think, what does that mean? 
That means this, as he's talked about in verses 19 and 20, is that every person in this room has their eyes set on what they want. You may not have what you want. It might be very difficult in your mind of how to get to it, but you have your mind set on what you want. It might be that thing. It might be uh, some popularity. It might be revenge. It might be anger. It might be a, a variety of things, but every person in this room has their eyes set on something But he says in this passage how blessed we are if we have single vision with the mentality is my single vision is is to lay up treasure in heaven, which means this, to glorify God. You think about today. You woke up today. You probably had just 17,000 things that you had to do today, not to mention the things that came across your life you weren't expecting. But your single goal has to be not just today, but every day of your life is glorifying God. There's a question I try to ask myself most evenings when I go to bed. Did I glorify God today? In the day that God gave me, did I glorify him? You know, a lot of days I have to say the answer to that question is no. Because instead of having singleness of eyes, it talks about here, singleness of thought, you know what, I've thought about this, and this has got my attention, and this has got me angry, and this has got me depressed, and this has got me discouraged, and my mind goes to a thousand different places. You ever sometimes get to the end of the day and you really didn't do much, but you worried yourself sick and you thought about this and you felt like you just ran yourself ragged. But you think to yourself, when you go to bed tonight, can you say that the way you lived your life and your actions and your words and even most importantly your thoughts, you glorify God today? You glorify God in the way that you worshiped him today. You glorify God today in the way you thought about other people today. Did you have that singleness of mind, or did you have a desire to fulfill self, a desire to fulfill the things that you want in your mind and the things that you want in your heart? Because we see the negative connotation of that. Because if we, I don't live my life today and I don't live my life tomorrow with the singleness of, hey, I want to glorify God, then verse 23 is going to happen. He says, But if thought I be evil, you can say, If thought I be selfish, if thought I be distracted, if thought I be cumbered about worrisome look what it says we'll be full of darkness we're full of darkness and it says if that light in thee is darkness how great is that darkness and when we think about your life today and when you think about your life this week do you feel like you walked in the light of god this week as it talks about in first john chapter one verse number five that god is light and in him is no darkness at all or do you feel like this week you did some good things But honestly, your life was full of darkness this week. You were distracted. You were frustrated. You were anxious. You were worrisome. You were bothered. You were cumbered about. You all these different things that we can say here. And that you almost feel like you just survived life instead of really lived your life this week to glorify God. I like it when I get to talk to people and they talk about, man, finding God's will for my life. It's It's like finding an Easter egg, right? It's kind of, man, if I could just go, oh, there it is. Boom. I found God's will for my life. Can I tell you, you can easily find God's will tomorrow morning when you wake up. You know how that is? Do what you know God would want you to do tomorrow. Go to your job, if you go to a job, and be the light and be the salt on that job that God's called you to be. And whatever you do tomorrow, say, what I do tomorrow, I want to glorify God tomorrow. That is God's will. That's God's will for your life. A lot of us think it's this pie in the sky, this big thing I've got to find. Man, I've got to find God's will. Well, the Bible says that God is not going to 
He's not going to keep his will from us. He's not going to make it difficult to find. Now, he does want us to have faith sometimes, and sometimes I don't understand why he's leading me in certain ways. And when I'm ready to run, he says wait. And when I'm ready to wait, he says run. I don't always get that. But we have to think about it. Do you have a single vision for your life is to glorify God? Here, here's a good way that I know a lot of times I don't. I don't know if today you had anything thrown at you that you weren't expecting. I don't know if today you had anything happen that did not go as planned. How did you react to that mentally? How were your thoughts to that? Was it a Philippians chapter 4, verse number 8, whatsoever things are, are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever honest, all those different things? How did you respond to it mentally? Did you stop and think to yourself, okay, I didn't plan this, I didn't expect this, I don't want this, or I didn't know this was coming. Now, God, how can I respond in a way that glorifies you? Or do you respond in your flesh the way you feel like you want to in your desires? If you do that, the Bible says you're walking in darkness. What does it say over in John chapter 3, the verse that people like to quote? Um, Men love darkness rather than light. Why? Because their deeds are evil. We love darkness. We love to live in darkness. And, and this mentality and understanding this is that we have to be single in our mindset. I know that you have been in here on Wednesday night. I've heard me say this at least a couple of times. Our entire goal this year, if you have themes, people like to have themes for things. I tell you, the theme I have in my heart, in my mind, in my ministry for my life this year is this. To myself and for us as a church to love Jesus more. It is not to love Jesus, but it's to love Jesus more. It's to love Jesus more today than I did last week. It's to love Jesus more than I did last month. It's to love Jesus more than me being justified whenever I could smart mouth or say something back to somebody that I feel like I'm justified in doing. I love Jesus more than maybe the reputation that I want to uphold in front of somebody else. I love Jesus more than violating Scripture and some things he tells me to do and not to do. It's loving Jesus more. There's a lot of people that love Jesus. Hey, there's a lot of lost people that love Jesus. And they pray, and they do different things. But the idea of loving Jesus in the way that he wants us to love him, to love him more, I should love him more today than I did last year. I should love him more. And I demonstrate that by my singleness of vision, by my determination of my eyes being light or my eyes being evil. If you would hold your place there and flip over, it's probably a little bit better with <laughs> I explain it is in Ephesians chapter number one. Ephesians chapter number one. We're not going to look at both of these, but in Ephesians chapter number one and also in Ephesians chapter three, there's two main prayers that are given in the book of Ephesians. Part of that prayer is what we'll see part of this Paul has here, where he talks about that they might know. And with this mentality, how does God want me to live? And the idea of having the light of my eye being light of God and being glorifying God. Look, if you would, in verses number 17 of Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17, down to verse number 20. Paul says this, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe according to the working of his mighty power 
which he wrought in us when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. And understanding is this, talking about that light as he's talking about in this, verses 17 and 18, have this idea is that why does God want my vision to be of him? Why does God want to be the focus, the focus of my life, not a focus? Because as it says in verses 17 and 18, God wants to give me spiritual understanding. If I asked you, do you understand more about the word of God now than you did a year ago? I hope you would say yes. And the thing is, God desires that. God desires to give us spiritual understanding. He desires for us to understand more about his word, to understand more about his ways, to understand more things and spiritual truths that we can discern. And this understanding comes from the Holy Spirit, as it talks about. And he wrote in his word, and he can teach us these things. As it says in verse 18, that the eyes of your understanding being enlightened. Can I tell you today that if your focus and your vision and your eyes are set on desires and things of this world, you will never get the spiritual understanding that God desires you to have. You ever look at somebody and say, you just don't get it. You just don't get it. And you want to like say, if I could get it for you, you're just not seeing the situation. You're looking at the situation and you're looking at the situation all wrong. And, and this is not what God's trying to do. And you're not supposed to get better. We don't want you to turn against God. And we're trying to get them to understand if you could just understand. But you know what? Because their focus is not in all things to glorify God, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all of the glory of God because their vision is not set on the glory of God. A lot of times we never get verse 18. We never let God open our eyes. I love the passage that talks about Balaam and his donkey. Love that passage. Once again, it's interesting that human beings are the only creation that have the ability to disobey God. We're the only thing. I mean, when God told the whale to throw up Jonah, guess what the whale did? <laughs> that wonderful thing that we've talked about it last year when we talked about Jonah. And if you understand in creation the different things, that every time he speaks to creation, creation obeys. But human beings are the only ones that have the ability. And we're made in the image of God. And we're the only things that are redeemed by God. Even angels aren't redeemed. And we have the choice to obey God or disobey God. And if you know the account in this story, Balaam is actually going around with, with men that he should. Men that are actually against Israel, against God's people. And if you remember the account, I'm kind of just running through it real quick is that Balaam is riding on his donkey, and as they're riding through the donkey, there's a narrow way, is that there's an angel of the Lord there with a sword drawn, and it says that the donkey saw the angel and bumped against the side, and it says it dashed or it crushed the foot of Balaam. And Balaam got mad and hit the donkey, and then it goes a little bit further, and the angel of the Lord, the donkey, saw it again, but Balaam didn't see it, and he smashed his foot against the wall again, and he gets mad and hits the donkey, and then, you ever get so mad you do something you never thought you'd do? Balaam... Balaam's donkey starts talking to Balaam, and Balaam starts talking back to the donkey. Now, that was probably not on the itinerary. You know, he does it the second time, and he hits him, and Balaam's donkey looks at him and says, Why are you hitting me? Well, because you're a dumb animal. You're, not a, you're bashing my foot. I'm thinking this had to be very humorous if you could just watch this conversation. But if you look at that passage, the creation of the donkey... The donkey saw the Lord when man couldn't. Sometimes I think that creation, as far as animals and things like that, have a lot clearer picture of God than sometimes we do in our lives as Christians. And eventually, Balaam saw the angel. 
And when you think about this passage, you know what he didn't have understand, but it actually says about Balaam is that his eyes were enlightened and he saw the angel. He saw the angel. And in our lives sometimes, God won't, not sometimes, but God wants to give us spiritual understanding. But as it says back in verse number 22 or 23 back in Matthew 6, is that if our eyes are dark, how great is that darkness? Our whole body's full of darkness. If we have things in our life that shouldn't be there, we have different desires. But not only that, do we see in this part here, talking about he wants to give spiritual understanding, but another reason why we should focus on the glory of God, the effect of our hearts, so to speak, as we just mentioned, is the idea is that we have a calling. You ever heard someone say, well, God didn't call me to preach. God didn't call me to be a missionary. God didn't call me to teach. God didn't call me. Every human being in here that is born again has a high calling, has a calling of God upon your life. And don't compare your calling to someone else's calling. Well, man, they got a great calling, man. My calling is... No, every person in this room has a calling. And he wants us to have the hope of his calling. Look at the end of verse number 18. That you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Because we are saved, we have this hope of eternity that doesn't depend on us, but depends on the grace of God. And I want you to understand that as a Christian, we have three particular parts to our calling. We have three different characteristics of our calling. One of it is a high calling. Talks about that in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. Paul says, I press toward the mark for the prize of what? The high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And the reason I find that fascinating is that when you think about the apostle Paul, the apostle Paul was probably saved for over 30 years before he says, you know what? God's got a higher calling for me than what I have right now. I dare say when you think about some of the greatest Christians that ever walked the face of the earth, Paul is mentioned quite a lot. But Paul, in all of the things that he's done, and all the books and all the letters and everything he's done, Paul says, you know what, my life is not over. He still has a higher, he wants me to go closer to him. I think sometimes we're happy wherever we're at, spiritually. But do you press yourself to go forward for that upward, that high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Can I tell you, wherever you're at in your life spiritually, Christ wants you to go further. He wants you to go higher. He wants you to be more like him. Don't be complacent in your life. Continue to press yourself to go forward, that high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He also, not only just a high calling, but it's also a holy calling. Over in 2 Timothy chapter number 1, talking about a high calling. In a holy calling, in Second Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 9, he says this, Who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. It's not just a high calling to keep going forward, but God's calling on your life and my life as a believer is to know what? We need to have a holy calling. If I had to describe the way you lived your life this week, would you call it holy? The way you live today, your thought life this week, would you say it was good? I mean, we love that part, don't we? Good just makes me feel good, you know. But the way you lived your life this week, the actions, the things that came out of your mouth, the thoughts that you had in your mind that you meditate in your heart, would you say it was holy? Would you say it's holy? Man, that's, that's pretty steep right there. Well, I'm not God, Phil. 
Be holy for I am holy, saith the Lord. That is the, that's the goal, to be holy. You know what? We're not going to be perfect, but the understanding is this, is that in a situation, I can be holy. I'm going to sin. I'm going to fall on my face. The just man falls seven times and rises up again. I'm going to fall on my face. But you have to understand, in your interactions this week, with those things that you didn't expect, with those things that you didn't see coming, with those unexpected things you never would want, did you respond in an idea of, hey, he has a holy calling for me. He's got a high calling, but he wants me to be holy. Why does he want me to be holy, or how can I have a holy calling? As it says in 2 Timothy 1.9, not according to our works, not according to my desires, but according to his own purpose and grace, to be holy. Sometimes we've got to understand that trials and temptations come in our life not to trip us up, but to make us more holy like God. That's why they come. You say, well, I wasn't expecting that bill. Well, God's giving you an opportunity to test that faith you talk so much about, to test that trust that you sing so much about. All those things that you read about in Scripture, all the things you pray for, all the things you thank God for, he's saying, here, I'm giving you an opportunity. I'm giving you an opportunity not just to have a high calling, but to have a holy calling. But we also have to understand this. It's a heavenly calling or an eternal calling. Over in the book of Hebrews, chapter number 3, Hebrews chapter 3, verse number 1, he says, Wherefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our profession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him that appointed him, as also Moses was faithful in all his house. If you see here in Hebrews chapter 3, I believe it's the apostle Paul that wrote Hebrews, he says here for us to consider, for us to focus, for us to have singleness of vision on what? Our heavenly calling, which is what? To be like Christ. And i got to be honest with you, I really stink a lot at my heavenly calling. I really stink a lot at my heavenly calling of being like Christ. But that's what he's done. You say, well, Brother Phil, I get you. Okay, i got a high calling. i got a holy calling, heavenly calling. What's the big deal? What if I don't do that? What if that's not my vision? What if that's not my goal? Well, as it talks about in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, that we will walk worthy of our vocation, that we will walk worthy of the calling that God has on our life. You read Ephesians 4, 1. He challenges us. The only way that we can walk worthy of Christ, the only way that we can truly please Christ with our life, the only way that we can glorify Christ with our life is to walk worthy to what? What he's called us to do. And he's called me to continue to grow He's called, me to, he's called me to live holy, and he's called me to have my eyes set on Christ. Heavenly calling, not an earthly calling on that. And we see this, and you say, well, great, Phil, I don't know how in the world I'm going to do all that. Well, that's why I like verse number 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power? To us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places. For us to understand what that is saying is this. Not only do we have an inheritance, so to speak, in the Lord, not only do we have a calling, but it says here in this passage, and you may not see this, but this passage is saying this. The very power that raised Jesus from the dead is the same power that you can have in your life to accomplish your calling. The same power. If I asked you how awesome do you think the power of Christ raising from the dead was, we said there's nothing like it. But Jesus says, my peace I leave with you. I'm leaving you the comforter. I'm leaving you the Holy Spirit. 
And that same power that resurrected Christ from the dead, as it says in verse 20, and raised him up and set him at the right hand of the Father, we have access to that power. But I tell you a lot of times, I don't want it. You know why? Because my eye is not singly fixed on glorifying God. I'm fixed on desires. I'm fixed on wants. I'm fixed on bitterness. I'm think, fixed on this. I'm fixed on that. And those things, when I, the power of God is right there. The power of God is right there. So we see in this passage, back in Matthew chapter number 6, we see the idea of the effect of our heart. But then we see in verse 24, and all this, the whole culmination of all of 19 through 23 comes down to this last part here. The choice is yours. Lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Your heart will reveal your true self, your true treasure. You can have singleness of mind, meaning I want to glorify God. And in verse number 24, it's pretty simple. He says, the choice is yours. It's up to you. Look in verse 24. No man can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. The word mammon there means things. Matthew Henry says this, speaking of the idea of you can't serve God and mammon. He says, for believers, we're cheating God when we try to serve two masters. When you're a believer, you're born again, you are cheating God whenever you try to serve two masters. When me as a believer, I am cheating God, the love and serving God as a believer, when I'm trying to serve self and I'm trying to serve and the idea of laying up treasures and things for I want. When I have this mentality, I want both. You ever sometimes think, well, I want both. I want to love God. I want to serve God, but man, I want this and this and this and this and this. Can't do it. Because he says, if you have this mentality, I want to love God. I want to serve God. I want God to be the master of my life. But I really am driven. I want to have this house. I want to have this car. I want to have this, uh, I want to have this opinion about myself. I want to have this legacy about myself. I want to be lifted up. You know what's going to happen? You can't have both because you're going to cheat on one. You're going to cheat on one. It's kind of like the guy that had two girlfriends. It didn't work out real good when the two girls met. The boy said, well, I got two sides right here, one on each side, but the girls didn't appreciate that a whole lot. And the same thing's true in our lives is that we can't think to ourselves, well, I'm, let's just be honest, Sunday, God, you're my master. Wednesdays, God, you're my master. Monday through Saturday, who's your master? yourself get what you can get in this life can't do it you can't do it and and i really agree with matthew henry is that we cheat god when we think we can serve two masters we really cheat god when we think we can have treasure in heaven and treasure in earth uh, i like matthew henry how he used a analogy of this in a couple of wednesday nights ago we went in first kings chapter number three remember we talked about what we pray about, what we pray for, and those different things. And remember, we put the board up here. And by the way, that was one of the most funniest times I think we've had in here. We talked about what do you pray for? Pray for long life. You pray for, you know, your children to be well. And, and you pray, I think Lee said, I want to pray. I get out of college sometime. And you want to pray for relationships. And I've, somebody said, um, win the lottery or something like that is what they said. And I knew the mentality means I don't really pray for the lottery. I just, I'll just I would like to have more money. And I don't think there's anybody that wouldn't say they want to have more money. But the whole idea is what it's saying is, man, look at all these things right here that you really would want and things that actually we pray for. 
And then we said, what about spiritually what we pray for? What we desire? And we said, what's the one thing missing from all of that? Wisdom. What's the one thing we don't pray for in all those situations? We don't pray for wisdom. We pray for God to give us more money. We pray for God to relieve the sickness. We pray for God to take the annoying person out of our lives. We don't pray for wisdom and how to deal with those things. We don't pray for God to give us wisdom and how to deal with the pain. We just want the pain to go away is our mentality. Just make it go away. And if you notice in that passage, I encourage you to sometimes go back. We won't tonight. But in 1 Kings chapter number 3, all the way up to verse 15, where it talks about the Lord heard uh, Solomon's prayer, and he said, Lord, give me wisdom so I can discern how to go out and come in. And we see how God answered his prayer and gave him all the things that he didn't ask for. And you get to the end of verse 15 feeling pretty good about Solomon. I mean, that's the end of the dream. That's the end of the vision. And the end of verse number 15, it says, Then awoke Solomon out of the dream. And if you ever look at the very next verse, 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 16. Then, boy, God's timing is awesome. Then, you know what happened in the idea of serving two masters? Then it says that the two women came to him. Both of them having a harlot lifestyle. Both of them had children. Both of them delivered children. And it says that both of them were in the same house together. No one else was around. And the one lady, her child died, and during the night... She got up, realizing her child was, was dead, and she buried her child, and she went and she took the child of the other woman. And whenever the morning rose, there was a little bit of pandemonium going on. And it says that right after Solomon prays for wisdom, the next morning, here comes these two women holding this one baby, and the lady's saying, she's took my baby, and the other one's saying, no, 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 she didn't take, she, no, I didn't take her baby. Her baby died, and she's trying to get mine now. And Solomon does what every wonderful thing says in the nursery and what you should have on the wall of every nursery. He says, great, bring me a sword. You ever sometimes go, where are you going with this? Solomon, very calm, cool, says, hey, give me a sword. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to take this baby since obviously one of you doesn't have a living baby anymore. And we're going to take the baby and just chop it in half and you both can have parts of the living baby. And the true mother, what does she say? No, 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 don't do that. Give her the baby. Give her the baby. Don't, don't, don't harm the baby, please. But the one that wasn't true mother, she didn't mind harm coming to the job. You know why? Because it wasn't really hers. Can I tell you something? You cannot serve God and serve things. Because you know what? When it comes down to it, between you and God... God's going to reveal whether or not you truly have a heart to serve God or you have a heart to serve self. You can't cheat on God by saying, God, I love you on Sunday. God, I love you in my devotions. And go out here and live any way that you want to live. We can't do that. We can't do that because God says, you know what will happen? You either hate the one and love the other or you will cling to the one. And you will forsake the other and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Some of y'all are really interested in that in First Kings. Go read it sometimes. People that say the Old Testament's boring has not read the same Old Testament I've read. That's why I love on Wednesday nights, we're going to really get into, uh, starting this Wednesday night, the different judges. Woo, they, there's some interesting dudes. All of them broken. I'm sorry, and dudettes. There's some ladies in there too. You know, there's a lot of ones in there. But here's something you need to understand. He says, no man can serve two masters. 
He doesn't say you shouldn't serve two masters. He doesn't say you must not do this. He says you cannot do this. And the quicker I'll grasp that mentality that God's not saying, you know, you really shouldn't be doing that. Instead, I get the mentality saying, I can't do that and serve God. The better I'll be. The better I'll be. See, in, in, in part of Matthew Henry's notes, Matthew Henry says, you can't serve God and mammon. He says, mammon says this, give me, give me, give me. It doesn't matter what I got to do to get it. I'll cheat if I got to do it. I'll step on people to do it. Give me, give me, give me. But when you serve God, God says, be content with the things that you have. It means to give. It means to be charitable. God says to keep the Sabbath. Mammon says, why don't you make use of the day some other way? I know that was fun. We talked about that this morning too. But the thing about serving God, there's something that God promises us, lasting joy and peace. You know what mammon offers us? Pleasure for a season. Pleasure for a season. And when we read this passage, and as we talked about this morning, I, I, the thing that is so gripped me in this passage and thinking about it is this. I have to accept, as we talked about, I have been bought with a very high price. You have been bought with a very, very high price. God's desire to have your love, God's desire to have you and his family, he paid an extremely high price for that. And yet he loves us enough to say, but I want you to serve me. I, don't, I want you to lay up treasure in heaven. Don't worry about laying up treasure here. Don't live for yourself. And so tonight as we close, and I appreciate you allowing me to finish this passage tonight, I want you to ask yourself, what is your eye focused on? Is it on the light? Is it on glorifying God in everything you do? When you go out these doors, you're going to get in your vehicle, you're going to go home, Think about this before you lay your head on a pillow at night. Did I glorify God today? Tomorrow morning when you get up, say, God, help me to glorify you today. As it says in Psalm, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. When you have that situation, it comes to you that you weren't expecting, that frustration, that disappointment. Say, God, help me to stay focused on you so I don't walk in darkness. And remind yourself when those desires come, there's nothing wrong with having things, but there's something wrong when things have us. Ain't nothing wrong with you having things, but don't let the things have you. Because of what I've noticed in my life, that when things have me, it takes a long time for them to let go of me. But don't remember, he doesn't say you shouldn't, but you can't serve God and mammon. You can't do both because you'll love one or you'll love the other. Let's stand together, if you would. Appreciate you being here today. I pray you get a blessing and have a good week. Please be praying for different people I know that have been uh, struggling with some things. As I mentioned in Sunday school this morning, a lot of you know Miss Cindy Snow. Miss Cindy normally sits back over here with her son, Brooks. Uh, Miss Cindy's mother passed away last night. Her mother would come to church with her sometimes. You might have seen her in the walker that she would come. But when I know details of arrangements, I'll try to let everybody know. But uh, be praying for Miss Cindy. I know she would appreciate it. But let's close in a word of prayer. And again, thank you. Thank you so much for being here this evening. Father, we just thank you so much for the day. Lord, I thank you for these people that come. Lord, I know they're tired. I know they've got things from this week. Lord, we've been doing things here at our church and, and just kind of just things in our lives. Lord, we get so, so busy. But Lord, help us to remember who we're serving and why we're serving. 
And Lord, help us to get to the end of our days and end of our week and say, God, did I glorify you today? God, did I lay up eternal treasure today? Or God, did I just, I was just living for self this week. Help us, Lord, to serve you all the days of our life. Help us, Lord, to not love you on one day and love stuff on the other day. Lord, I do pray for Miss Cindy tonight that you bless her, be with her. Comfort her, Lord. Lord, I know she's hurting. Lord, I know she was close to her mother. And Lord, I pray for Brooks that he might be a comfort to her as well. Thank you most importantly for Jesus. Lord, help us to love Christ more. In his name, amen. God bless you.